My guest today is Lauren Yates, who you may know through her fashion blog, Ponytail Journal, or as the founder for her clothing brand, Women's Wear, which is W apostrophe menswear. Um, she's currently based in Bangkok in Thailand, and the audio was recorded over Zoom, which is why it does sound a little bit crusty. So tell me about your podcast. It's funny, like, being on a podcast. I have a podcast. Yeah, I yeah, I know, I know. Because yeah. <laughs> your podcast, you talk to lots of people from the fashion and clothing industry, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I found your blog through following Nigel Cable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and it does seem that following you guys, it seems like you have the most fun out of anyone in fashion. I always think oh. of, um, I always think of fashion as being quite, it's like a stuck up industry or the stereotypes around it are like, that it's really high pressure and everyone's got like a big ego, but you guys just seem to be it having- It kind of is. Really? It just seems like you guys, everyone yeah. you meet, it's like everyone's like super enthusiastic and lighthearted about it. I reckon we just like exist in this really niche corner of fashion where people are chill and cute. I feel like a lot of that stuck up thing about fashion is people are just really self-conscious and it's an industry based on like how you look and judgment and, you know, Create, being creative is like a really anxiety driven thing when like you put out a collection and the whole world's like going to judge it. So yeah. I, I think people are stuck up in dicks about it because they're really just scared little babies inside and they just want to be okay. And they, <laughs> they just want to, they just want to be hugged and told that their clothes are nice. It's funny to hear about that because it should be fun, isn't it? Anything creative should be like a nice, positive thing. But it's weird that it's so, um, there's lots of negative stuff around fashion, isn't there? But what was your first, yeah. um, what was your first involvement in the fashion industry? How did you get your start? When I was 14, I was like um, in a shopping mall with my mum and like just someone came up to my mum and I and were like, oh, I'm an agent, do you want to be a model? You should try modeling. And I was like 14 at school. So yeah, my mum was awesome. She like didn't let me do jobs if I had to miss school. So I didn't. And I I thought she was, I, you know, when you're 14, you think your mum's just not being fair when they do that. But actually, like in hindsight, that was the best thing she ever did. Um, but yeah, I was a model for like more like maybe fifteen years, um, and that kind of broke the ice. Like you know, you see a lot when you're a model. You meet a lot of people. You see a lot of like yeah, the fashion industry in different ways, like photo shoots, like runway shows, like even helping young designers, you know, who are still studying and helping them do their runway shows like so it's like a lot of exposure to that side but I guess that's how like that yeah from 14 that's how it happened but then like I went to I went to art school I studied photography at art school and you know I loved photography since I was like maybe in year 10 um I was like a photo geek had a dark room in our cellar under the house uh, developing photos 
you know, every night while my parents and my sister were watching TV literally above my head. Um, yeah, so, like, yeah, I got into photography and through that got into art, like making art installations, but still kind of had one foot in the fashion world still because I continued to model to pay for pay the bills and, like, that modeling got me traveling, got me to go to a lot of different countries and got, I think traveling itself was like, has shaped who I am as well. Just seeing how different people work, different cultures behave. And um, yeah, I've kind of been in fashion for a long time. I wanted to speak about your traveling, actually, because you're based in Bangkok in Thailand now, aren't, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Is that where you is that where you studied and grew up and things like that? Or is it just where you've chosen to be? No, yeah, I'm very, like, so I've traveled my whole life. My Both my parents are in the aviation, were in the aviation industry. So um, I was born in Hong Kong, back when it was British Hong Kong, and... Um, and then I moved to Thailand when I was like two years old. Uh, we lived in Thailand till I was probably 10 years old. Then we moved to Australia. And that's why I have an Australian accent. Yeah, I was trying to work yeah. that out. But it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Dude, it sticks. <laughs> like when you, have, when you get an accent, it kind of just stays. No matter how long you have lived there for, like my Aussie accent is just like stuck with me. Um, so, I, yeah, I went to high school. I did school in Australia. I did university in Australia. And maybe after university, a couple of years later, I went back to Thailand to just kind of, like, retrace me. Yeah. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? You can if you want, yeah. All that shit. Yeah, yeah. all that shit. <laughs> when you think of, like, fashionable cities... You know, people would obviously say like Paris and Tokyo and like Milan or something. What's fashion like in Bangkok? Because it's not something Dude, that... Bangkok. Bangkok is the most fashionable city in the planet. It's the best place on earth. Not kidding. Bangkok is like the coolest place on earth. You know why? Because it is the hub, the world's hub for vintage. And any vintage dealer who has a store anywhere in the world what causes that then how come that's such a thing in in Bangkok well I mean many developing countries receive a lot of charity donations from the west you know those charity bins that are like next to shopping malls you dump all your stuff well that all comes to like you know Pakistan or Cambodia or Thailand as like charity donation but actually like Thais are really entrepreneurial and they're like I'm not gonna wear this like I'm gonna sort it and I'm gonna sell it and I'm gonna make lots of money from that you know so Thais have a very yeah they're very entrepreneurial and they're very like open-minded and they hustle so like they're creative, open-minded, they hustle and they support each other. It's a very, like, tight-knit. It's a very community-based 
culture. Like everyone's helping everybody. Everyone's like sharing and opening and giving with information, with like style, with a bunch of stuff. So what happens is like you just get this crazy mix of like, you know, great vintage and like people are really interested in what's happening in the, the rest of the world, especially in our region. It's like they're looking at Japan, they're looking at Korea, they're looking at Taiwan for style. And then they come and like mix that all up with their like vintage with the Thai, Thai like, you know, Thai lifestyle. And then you just get some dope stuff that happens right here. I'm going to send you some pictures later. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it'd be nice to see somewhere like Bangkok be, you know, considered as more of a fashionable place. And if there's that going on there, it's strange that it hasn't made the the list of places that people would think of when they think. It will be. I think for definitely for Southeast Asia, it's like turning into like the Bangkok is turning into the hub of Southeast Asia. And also like we do have to get over that stigma of being a manufacturing country, but that's long, like, you know, the middle class here is expanded and is the country has become so much wealthier and the city is so modern and like futuristic but grimy and dirty and cool as well. Like there's just so much going on. Um, but for an, to give you an example of how I think the reason why I think like Bangkok's going to be the next hub of Southeast Asia is like look at the hemp industry here. Like, I think for Asia, like, legalizing medical marijuana and, like, industrial hemp as a cash crop here, the government's really pushing that here. And I think most other Asian countries have their eye on Thailand to see how it's going to play out. So we have, like, in the last few years, like, most of the, like, um, big conferences on you know, on hemp, industrial hemp and medical marijuana are being held here. And yeah, it's a really interesting space. Your own design label is called Women's Wear, as in W apostrophe Men's Wear. And just from reading that title, I thought it was going to be sort of things that a traditional men's wear piece is reshaped for women. Mm. Uh, resized I should say it started out like that yeah yeah it started out I guess like I made that word before the brand even was a, an idea but like on my blog on Ponytail Journal I would write about style um, I, I also got paid to write about style for three years by Vogue Australia because of my blog which is funny, I laugh because, like, I'm just such a niche corner of the fashion world that the idea of, of writing for such a mainstream, um, you know, women's magazine, it's, it's just such an honour that they would even consider doing that. Um, but, yeah, I use, I like to make up words when I, there's no real word to describe what I'm trying to say. So women's word just became a word that I made up to describe this kind of style of, you know, taking things from the boys and making it better. Making it better. <laughs> for, yeah. Just for women, yeah. Cool. Um, and then, yeah, that's another kind of idea for the brand. The tagline is uh, hard-hitting garments for hard-hitting women. 
which I think is mm-hmm. pretty cool. And I was wondering if you could give some examples of some women and maybe some stylish women or some women in general who've inspired the designs that you have. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's usually like women through history that, that inspire most of the collections and like stories through history. There's actually like a mood board behind me. Um, it's the Autumn Winter 21 mood board. I'm not sure if people, if people are just listening here, there's a big mood board behind me and it's full of swatches and pictures and um, research boards. Uh, the whole collection is based on Junko Tabe, who was the first woman on who scaled Everest. And that was in 1975. Uh, she went with a group of all-female climbers, um, all Japanese, all-female climbers. And for women in Japan at that time, very conservative Japan, you know, women weren't taken seriously as professional climbers. Women weren't, you know, it was quite a kind of social, like a quite a disrupting social thing to do this. Um, so that was quite impactful for me to read about that. And, yeah, it definitely inspired a lot of crazy juju for the new collection. These women, like, they even, like, had to make their own climbing gear out of, like, curtains, out of, like, whatever they could find, like, car covers, just because, like, they couldn't afford it. There wasn't funding for women in this field, um, you know, but they were so determined to, to do it. And that's so badass. Another collection, for example, like um, the previous, uh, for Spring Summer 20, which was last year, um, I based the whole collection on the Tech Type 4 program which was um, a group of all-female scientists who lived and researched under the water in, like, a huge capsule um, where they could live under the water in the U.S. Virgin Islands for two weeks. And, I mean, yeah, sure, it was a gimmicky thing to do that back then in the 70s, but it, it had a lot of implications. These women all kind of paved the way for of where we are now, you know, and I hope that I'm not trying to cram this kind of information down people's throat. If people like to wear my clothes just because they think it's cool, that's fine. You don't need to know all about the history, but if it if it kind of like gets you a little bit curious about what's behind it and about these periods of time in history, then that's a win for me. That's a big. You mentioned earlier how important traveling has been to you. Could you tell me about somewhere where you went and it was totally not what you expected, uh, an experience that you had that kind of changed your opinions on things? I want, yeah, I definitely want to talk about, I think my most like memorable trip would be my trip to Nepal, which also inspired this Autumn Winter 21 collection. Um, that was in 2018. I went to Nepal with the the team from Capital. Capital is like a very cult center brand from Japan, um, Capital with a K. And uh, we went to shoot their lookbook, and in turn they helped me shoot my lookbook, which is really awesome. They're very sweet, and that's just exactly the kind of people they are. Um, uh, 
shout out to Eric Kovacek, who's the photographer. He shoots all the capital catalogs and shoots all of my catalogs as well. He was pivotal in that whole, you know, coming together of, of things. But, but I feel like Nepal was uh, a beautiful place in so many ways. It had just experienced two years before the, a huge earthquake and, you know, the city, Kathmandu, was still in complete wrecks um, because of that earthquake. They hadn't yet received the funds to, the aid funds to actually, like, you know, do something about half-falling down buildings that were just being delicately propped up by pieces of wood Um you know, there's a lot of corruption everywhere. There's corruption everywhere, but that was quite obvious there. Um, but the, what was so touching about that experience was just how how people in Nepal treat you like they're you're a member of their own family and you're a stranger. Like that was that touched my heart a lot. Um, I would say I, I experienced a similar kind of feeling here in Thailand. Maybe it's like a Buddhist thing or something, but I felt it really strong in Nepal, um, and that made that whole trip very memorable. Um, yeah, and just so many smells and, and colours. The best thing about Nepal on that trip for me were, like, just seeing all the beautiful trucks. The fact that adornment, the fact that, like, art... And adornment in these cultures are such an important part of daily life as a, a spiritual thing. It's like they totally acknowledge that art is so important for your well-being, which I think in the Western world, that's not really the case. It's not as in your face as it is in, in somewhere like Nepal or, or, or here. Um, so I love that, like, all the trucks are just painted with, like, imagine, like, beautiful old school, like, you know, Sailor Jerry kind of tattoos, but, like, imagine them as paintings that, like, snakes coiled up in front of their hand painted on trucks and, like, you know, the Michelin man, he's a god. He's a god there. Like, he's god here too in <laughs> Thailand. Like, he is the, the almighty, almighty protection you know, like the, the spirit of, of trucks and, <laughs> and road safety. Um, seriously, like you see trucks with like just Michelin, like statues of Michelin men just lined up, like maybe 20 lined up just on the top of the truck. Like so beautiful, you know, <laughs> just like breathtaking, so touching. Lauren, what would you like to offer up as your Who's Flying the Plane hidden gem? You know what people should pay attention to, in my opinion? It's like, yeah, there's a lot of people I could shout out or whatever. But you can look on my Instagram for that if you want, whatever. Like, there's so much stuff in the world. But, like, honestly, sitting by yourself with no distraction, like a phone or whatever, and just fucking, like, oh, sorry, I don't know if I can swear on this. Maybe you have to dig that out. Um, just like to paying attention to your own like thoughts 
it gets scary sometimes. Like it's like suddenly everything's taken away from you and you just have nothing. And paying attention to that space that you go in when that happens, I think more people should pay attention. I've never had, I've never had that it. recommended. I've never had that recommended as a hidden gem before. So <laughs> it's a different it's one. It's a hidden gem of life. <laughs> so um, Lauren, how can we how can we follow you online and see your clothes and see what you're up to? Um, okay, you can go my okay, you can go to at ponytail journal. That's my Instagram and Twitter. Or you can go to ponytailjournal.com. That's got that's like the universe of ponytail. All things ponytail. Ponytail podcast, ponytail clothes, ponytail cooking videos, ponytail everything, ponytail friends, ponytail lifestyle. Yeah, that's the ponytail universe. And my brand, you'll find my brand called Women's Wear in the ponytail universe. Or you, if you don't want anything to do with ponytail, then you can just follow at Women's Wear, at W-M-E-N-S-W-E-A-R on Instagram or Women'sWear.com on the internet. Thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to me today, Lauren. Oh, pleasure, dude.